the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, Alex and I are back in our home states, Mississippi and North Carolina, after spending the week in Texas, and it is good to be back with you. We're going to be taking phone calls at the end of the hour. Uh, We're going to go through the book of Joel. Uh, But last week was a special week at the National Religious Broadcasters Meeting where we met so many good people, got to interview several of them. And so, Alex, uh, I'd give the NRB an A. Amen. Oh, it was a blessing. And, you know, what was really a blessing, Bert, was seeing people just all over the building gathered in groups of three or four or five people praying. Amen. Amen. Praying for revival. But uh, it's good to be back. We welcome you all to another week of Exploring the Word. And uh, it does seem like just a minute ago, but it was a week ago, you and I and Devin and all the AFR broadcast people, Jim Stanley and everybody, we were in Dallas, Texas for that convention. And I really do appreciate people praying for us. And then uh, you and I were each on the road preaching. But, uh, you know, I've talked to several folks today even who were praying for America, praying for revival. And I, I think the the sense that we need a, a real move of God I think a lot of people have that on their heart these days, don't you? They do. We've heard about that. I've gotten some emails about that, just feeling like the time is near. Hey, after then, RB, you had a you talked about your weekend, but we need a report about the cove because I mean we have talked about it and we've talked about how God just has a special place there at the cove, and so Alex, give us a report, brother. Well, I, I just want to say all glory to God, and Bert, I want to say a very special thank you to people from 22 states and even Guam who came to the Cove. <laughs> we were in western North Carolina up in Asheville, the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove. We spent three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going through the Book of Acts, and uh, you know, the the AFR listeners, I mean, there there were people there that were not necessarily listeners of AFR, because maybe they don't live where there's a station or something. But many of you are listening, 240 or 50 people, and uh, you know who you are that were there. I want to say thank you. Uh, Angie and I had the best time, and Gigi Graham, who is just an angel, oh my goodness, how special she is, and um, a, a friend, Glenn Batchelor, and his wife, Michelle, I will tell you this, for 14 previous years when I would come to speak, uh, Michelle Batchelor would meet us at the gate, and she went to be with the Lord just about a month ago, and her husband, Glenn Batchelor, uh, was there to be my MC. He's such a great leader, and we prayed for him. But to all of you who came, and we, we were in the Word together, we rejoiced and worshiped together, and we prayed for revival, and as far away as uh, one couple from Hawaii, they heard, they came all the way to North Carolina, and then uh, again, two people from Guam, wow. a couple from Canada, and others from from 21 other U.S. states, for a total of 22 states represented. I, I just want to say thank you. And Bert, let me say this, a lot of people came up, and they just said how we love Bert. We love all of the programming of the American Family Radio Network, 
and they people shared a lot of testimonies and uh, a lot of love for Bert Harper was expressed too. And hey, it was, listen, it is a joy, Alex. You and I are just enjoying doing what we're doing. That that is amazing. That God would give you an assignment, and I feel like this is God's assignment for me at this time in my life, and it is so rewarding, and we thank God for that. Hey, let me give a report. I've been at Smithville Baptist Church. is their interim for just a short time. Usually interims last longer than that, but it was the last Sunday that Jan and I would be there, and we we take the opportunity, Jan and I both, to share and try to get ready for their new pastor that's coming in August, and we're excited about uh, him coming, and we're just praying and but I want to give a shout-out to Smithville Baptist Church. How many of those people, a dozen or more, would come up and say, how we love exploring the Word. We love Alex. And again, it was a joy being there and looking forward to the next assignment God gives up at First Baptist, Baldwin, here close. We'll start there. But also, I wanted to share about the fishbowl. Fishbowl registration is on, and it is going. We're having people to go to repairing the foundations and register. And then there's those that are calling here in the headquarters in Tupelo at 662-844-5036. I'll give that number later, extension 297, or you can ask for Sonny. Uh, They'll know how to put it through. But it's the fishbowl pastor and wife retreat October the 19th through the 21st up at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. Of course, Jan and I will be there. We'll be sharing and teaching and leading and uh, meeting. Uh, what we enjoy doing more than anything else is meeting these pastors and their wives. Ed Vitagliano and J.J. Jasper is going to be there, Alex. So we're going to have a good time. It's beautiful. It's on the uh, it, the Pickwick Landing uh, end is just beautiful. It's on the Tennessee River, overlooking it. Every room sees the Tennessee River. So it's going to be a great time, and we're having people already calling. So get pastors and wives. If you're going, get it in. If you're wanting to send your pastor and his wife, do that. Talk to them quickly. Set it aside for October the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Alex, that's a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, three nights, two days. And it is a wonderful, wonderful time. Looking forward to meeting a lot of the pastors and the wives. Well, amen. That sounds exciting. And yes, um, I, I agree with you. This, exploring the Word is a, an honorable assignment. I, I thank God for it. And uh, all the people we meet that hear us every day, and then we meet you all around the USA, we love you. And we just, we're joining in praising God together and studying His Word, aren't we? We do. And speaking of His Word, we're in the book of Joel. We finished up the book of Acts. Now, we kind of did real quickly on 27 and 28. But, Alex, I want to remind everyone, we're living, as you said, in Acts 29. In other words, the the gospel, you remember how it it ended with an unhindered gospel, Paul preaching. And uh, the gospel is still going forth. And we learned from the book of Acts that the gospel works under all conditions, but under freedom, missions works best. Uh, you look at well in, the two countries that have done so much uh, besides Israel, and that's England and the United States. And under those two, under the freedoms that England had, under the freedoms that the United States has, more missionaries has gone out to all the world, and we praise God for that. And so, but now we're turning to the Old Testament to a little book. If you notice what we do, we do a longer book, and then we come back usually with a shorter book because that way it just keeps us 
uh, moving along. But in the Old Testament, the book of Joel, Alex, let me read the first verse, and then uh, I want to say one or two things, and then you take off. The word of the Lord that came to Joel by the son of Pethuel. Now, I want to share with you, there are 16, not counting the book of Lamentations, okay? I'm going to keep it with, with Jeremiah, but there's 16 books of the prophets in the Old Testament. Of those 16 Ten of those books start out or are real close to the first or second or third verse with these words, the word of the Lord came. And Amen. the word of the Lord came to Joel. He had something to see. By the way, if you're interested in what the others were, uh, vision is, is by three. Uh, Obadiah and Isaiah specifically say vision. With Amos it said he saw, which would be a vision. And then the one that's a little less is the burden, B-U-R-D-E-N. Yeah. Two prophets use the word burden, Nahum and Habakkuk. And then Daniel, it didn't have it, but he saw visions and would interpret those visions. But the word of the Lord is the most common calling that the prophets had. So Joel had this calling. The word of the Lord came to Joel. Alex, those are beautiful words, aren't they? Well, they they really are, and you know, I was. It's funny. I was talking to Gigi Graham at the Cove this weekend, and we were talking about that phrase, "the burden of the Lord." And obviously, knowing the Lord and knowing Scripture is not burdensome; it's a blessing. But uh, let me just say this: uh, we agonize right now, Bert, with our abandonment of morality. And over the weekend, some of the woke people were saying that the rotunda of the Capitol has to be. Uh, gutted and redecorated, which would be treasonous for that to happen, and may God grant that it never does. But look, when you see people lost in sin, and you see people blinded, and you see people abandoning their conscience and the moral code that God writes on every heart, and you see the way of the world, and you know the truth of God, uh, your heart would be heavy. Mm -hmm. And when the Bible talks about the burden of the prophet, that people... Uh, rebelling against God will be destroyed in their own sin. That that's heavy on you, isn't it? It is. And it is. we we were talking about how I understand that when you have the word of the Lord, it, it's not our opinion. It's not just our preference. It's the revelation of God. You want the world to know, and you want the world to be set free through salvation and through Jesus, don't you? You really do. You're just talking about the woke people. Now, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but look at verse 5 of Joel 1. Awake. Here's what the woke people need to do. They need to awaken. They yeah. are. They say they're woke, but really they're sleeping. They're sleeping and dreaming, uh, making a nightmare a dream. That's exactly what is taking place. And I'm using all these words descriptive as I can, but you are exactly right, Alex. Uh, the destruction that it would bring on. And what they're talking about doing and healing and helping is really dividing and hurting. And mm. the gospel is the one. I, I've shared this before. I want to share it once again. In the Civil War, it was division. But I have a picture, and it still hangs in my office here at AFA headquarters. It's a, it's a painting. It's a print of the Civil War battle are really a gathering of Southerners and Northerners at the Rapidan River up in Virginia in November of 1863. 
when Willie Ragland, the chaplain, was preaching to the Confederate soldiers, and there was this private Goodwin that, that received Christ, and he wanted to be baptized, and the commanding officer gave him permission to do so after a reluctance, but they marched down to the Rapidan River, and a lot of the Southerners, they're following them, and the Northerners are on the other side of the river, and they was afraid that they might start shooting if they saw them crossing the river, and they said, we're going to go down there singing. They went down singing. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. And when the northern troops heard them singing that song, they came out from what they call the works. We'd call it foxholes these days. And they joined them with the southerners on one side of the river, the northerners on the other side of the river, as Willie Ragland baptized Private Goodwin. I have that print. It's beautiful. That's the power of the gospel. And everybody's talking about getting together, and they're limiting that which would bring us together in Jesus Christ. Amen. But Bert, what a wonderful word. You know, they t- woke culture. Well, we, we don't need to be woke. We need to be revived and spiritually awakened. And you hear so much about cancel culture. The Bible says in Jesus, he has blotted out the handwriting that was against us. Amen. And the only cancel culture we really need is that in Jesus, the, the power of sin would be canceled out. And if you'll call on Christ, it will be. Amen. Hey, there's a number you can call. Triple eight, need him. You may have fallen under conviction right now, knowing that you're not right with God and you need to get right. There's some people wanting to talk to you. Triple eight, need him. Give them a call. With that in mind, Alex and I'll be back. We're going to jump into the book of Jewel. I'm sure you'll love it. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Greg Ibaugh, Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at the Department of Agriculture. Mr. Ibaugh supervises operations related to farming and ranching in the U.S. Genesis 129 reminds us of the Lord's gifts of trees and crops and plants. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Greg Ibaugh as he works on behalf of America's farmers and ranchers. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says not everyone who knows about the Bible or even quotes from the Bible actually believes the Bible. He'll show the story of a recent encounter with a skeptic today as we spend two minutes with Tony. I was on a radio talk show uh, this week and it was a non-Christian talk show talking about the book America Turning a Nation to God. And he said, well, which God? I said, well, there's only one God. He said, well, wait a minute now. This group got their God. This group got their God. How do you know your God is the one? Because Jesus Christ said so. And I quoted him. The the Bible says he said so. Well, he says, you can't argue that. He says, because that's circular reasoning. You're using internal things to validate your point. I said, well, let's just start with the Bible as being a history book. And let's use the criteria you would apply to any history book that has information people hadn't seen yet. 
The only reason you know Abraham Lincoln lived is not because nobody you know has seen Abraham Lincoln. The only reason you know George Washington lived is not because you saw somebody, but we have documentation that has truth to it. So all you got to do is take the same information that you apply to any history book and apply it to Jesus, and then you will find that the Bible meets the test of every other book. Your problem is you don't want to have to deal with that God because you don't want to have to deal with Jesus Christ. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. If you'd like to learn more about how to have a personal relationship with God, visit us at TonyEvans.org and click on the word Jesus at the top of the page. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. Today, we began a look at the Old Testament book of Joel. And, uh, you know, I've, Bert, I've had a number of friends over the years whose name was Joel. And when I think about that, I always think about this great uh, biblical prophet. You know, sometimes you'll read the, the, the term pre-exilic and post-exilic. Now, the word Exilic refers to the word exile. The word, the root there is the word exile. And Joel was a prophet who served before the northern kingdom of Israel fell and um, the southern kingdom of Judah uh, would ultimately fall as well. But this is before the exile into uh, bondage. And uh, some of his uh, fellow pre-exilic prophets would have been like Hosea and Amos. But um, Joel is an early, early prophet, and this we're talking, you know, eight to nine hundred years before the birth of Christ. We are, and, and you're looking at someone who, uh, there's other Joels, but the Joel, the only two times he's mentioned is in this book, and then when Peter would talk about it, they are Pentecost. And so this is Joel, and again, like God or God is, and notice these words, and and I want to look at chapter 1 and just give you an overview real quickly and come back. Look at the active words. There's four of them that you need to look at. Verse 2, hear, H-E-A-R. Verse 5, awake. Then in verse 11, uh, it's translated be ashamed or mourned would be the word, that if you're going to use one word, mourned. And then finally in verse 14, call call a sacred assembly. These are active words. So here is what Joel is doing. Joel is calling upon these people of God to hear the word, wake up, mourn what they've done, and call upon the Lord. That sounds a little bit like 
uh, repentance, Alex, and and mm-hmm. coming to him. You know, when you look at all of those, uh, that's what comes in. You hear the word. It causes you to awaken to truth. It causes you to look at yourself and see how lacking you are, and it causes you to call upon the Lord himself. I pray that our people would do that even in our day, brother. Amen. Exactly. Um, you, you began reading some of these. Uh, this is part of what we're all about. Um, it says, tell it to your, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Now, there are reprimands and there are burdens and punishments in the life of all of God's people. Notice chewing, swarming, crawling, consuming. Those are four uh, ways to talk about the same thing. Locust. Now, locust was locusts were bad. They could eat your crops. They could decimate your whole year of food. And I think about nowadays, uh, most people, unless you're in agriculture, you probably don't have to think about insects and locusts and you know pests like that. But all of us, we need God to bless our health. We need God to help us with our finances. We need the Lord to help us with our, our nation, morally, spiritually, psychologically. And uh, if we turn away from God, Bert, the locusts can come to us in a lot of forms, can't they? They sure can. But just talking about farming, you know, just uh, about two weeks ago, we had a, a, a person call in from Iowa talking about the farmers in Iowa and how they desperately needed uh, God to intervene. I think it may have been drought or different things, you know. So even today with those that listen to us, I was talking to somebody even this weekend and how they listen. They said, man, they listen while I'm in the cabin of a tractor. So we got people out there, they're listening. And this locust is, it really happened. Listen to it in verse, verse two. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Now, who's he talking to? In verse 2, he's talking to the elders. In other words, he is saying, all you, uh, and this is elderly, this is people who have age in them. Can you remember a bad a situation as we're facing right now with the locusts coming in? Now, this is a present-day issue, and, and, and yes, Joel speaks to it, but he's going to use it to speak to future events as well. And mm-hmm. this locust coming in, they devour everything, anything that's green. And, Alex, uh, I found something interesting in reading about them. They usually are pushed by the wind. In other words, Interesting. yeah, it is. They'd get caught in the wind, and it would take them so far, and then they would be a little release, and they would fall in, a, in swarms wherever it took them, and then they would devour it, and they'd stay there until the next wind would come along and throw them. And the whole idea is God's directing these winds, in this case, to bring these people to their knees so that they will call upon God. So God, just like he did with uh, Jesus walking over the water, Jesus commanding the, the storms to cease, whatever he could do, God is also in charge here as well. Well, amen, amen. So uh, this is significant enough that they're talking about uh, this will be remembered for a long time. Now, here's a word of admonition. 
beginning in Joel 1, verse 5. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. Remember, the fig tree is Israel. He has stripped, stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Uh, you know, when we think of drunkards, I mean, drunkenness is a sin. But when a person is in a stupor and they, they don't have their faculties, uh, I, I think, and I, I don't mean to um, allegorize this too much, but I think that toleration of sin and um, not being able to hear the still, small voice of God, I think people can lose their spiritual bearings, too, and maybe not necessarily be drunk on alcohol, but maybe um, unresponsive to the voice of God. And look, uh, in a nation of maybe 100 million adult Christians right now, Bert, it's, it's a puzzlement to me why we're not having all-night prayer meetings for revival uh, we may not be drunk, but we're not as sober as we ought to be, perhaps. Yeah, the Bible talks about being sober-minded, uh, mm-hmm. having yes. good judgment concerning the times. And notice it goes from the locust, which is natural. Look at verse 6. A nation has come up in my land. Uh, here it is, an invading army. Look at all the things that are going to take place and is taking place there. First, the locusts come and devour it, and now... A, a, a nation comes up, and like you said, without number, teeth like a lion, and ruined the fig trees, dripped everything, and it's not over. We'll get to that. But again, in verse 11, you'll find out, well, you farmers, well, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, listen, for because the harvest of the field has perished, the vine has what? Dried up. Mm. There's a drought. So here mm. you have these three compounded judgments coming upon these people, the locusts, the armies of another nation, and and drought, uh, these people are under the gun, Alex. And sometimes I don't think we understand uh, that we are under the gun right now. You're just talking about us. I think we don't understand that, the the false teaching, the difficulties, uh, the harm that's happening. And uh, it is time to awaken, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, it really is. I mean, we're talking about our nation, our freedoms. That's why I would think it would behoove even those that may not be conservative, even those that may not be an evangelical Christian, uh, even those that are, you know, just American citizens. Look, it is all in our best interest to preserve what has given us what we've got, uh, a prosperous, safe, stable, (laughs) frankly, opulent nation. What gave us that wasn't socialism, wasn't atheism or secularism, and it wasn't woke anarchy. It was a Judeo-Christian worldview. Uh, That's why, Bert, I I just love people like uh, Bill Federer, and I love David Barton, and uh, Marshall Barnes, who listens to us, and ADF, and Tony Perkins, and FRC, and uh, well, Abe Hamilton, and people like that, because they do such a good job at talking about how the country was really founded. And one last thing I've got to say, and I want to get back to Joel. Bear with me, folks. But over the weekend, somebody was saying that, you know, one of the woke squad in the news was talking about how America uh, was founded on racism. And I thought, you know, uh, I disagree. 
Uh, what other country, especially 240 years ago, the first page opening sentences of our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, says we hold these truths to be self-evident, in other words, undeniable, that we're all created equal. I mean, equality, made in the image of God, therefore given certain inalienable rights. Uh, that That's false. But, Bert, what I fear is um, so many people today, and especially younger people, they don't realize how we, we really were founded as a Christian nation. Did you happen to watch Dr. Jeffers yesterday, First Baptist Dallas, Robert Jeffers, his sermon yesterday from his program? Did you I did not it? see it yesterday. It's good. It's worth seeing. And uh, so anyway, he 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 was preaching yesterday, let me tell you. But uh, <laughs> He can, he's, and he does. Amen. Let me tell you. So a predator, a devastating predator, whether it's a locust, whether it's a drought, whether it's a lion with fangs stripping away. Um, now, you think about this. If you strip away the bark on a tree, if you cut enough bark away, it will die. And that's the picture that you get up through verse 7. And it says in verse 8, Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth, sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. In other words, you can't worship. And the, the offerings and the Levitical rituals were very important. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted, the land mourns, the grain is ruined, the new wine is dried up, the oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers, wail, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley because of the harvest of the field that has perished. Uh, what we're seeing is desolation. Okay, the breakdown of the home, a virgin whose husband has died, no children, and the marriage is gone because the she's, she's lamenting for the husband of her youth. Uh, sackcloth, that's mourning. So you see in verse 8, uh, the breakdown of the home. You see the breakdown of the church. The offerings are not happening. The house of the Lord is not operating. The priests are mourning. And then you see um, not only the means of food, but really the commerce. So, Bert, 8, eight 9, 10, you're seeing judgment that has touched the home, the temple, and uh, the the industry. You do. Everything is affected, and I think the locusts, the army, all of it's coming in devastated, and they're not turning yet. Uh, that's the reason you're going to come to the end of this chapter, and you'll find out he cries out, the prophet Joel does, but he is trying to get them to see. Joel is preaching concerning what is happening. He is not foretelling the future here that's that's later on in this book he is telling what's happening now and what will be the result and then he's saying it's going to be even worse one day and we may be arriving to that one day we'll get to that probably tomorrow maybe but he says be ashamed or mourn again mourn over what's going on don't don't make excuse don't look at it well, the vine is dried up, the fig trees withered. Notice what else happens here in the last part of verse 12. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Alex, when you take the joy away, you're taking the hope away. You're taking uh, the expression away. And 
here's what you were saying. And again, everybody in this economy, in this society has been affected. Uh, Whether they wanted to bring the offerings to the temple or not, they couldn't because they had been devoured. The, The drunkard couldn't even find new wine because all the grapes, everything they made it had been taken away. There's the and you talk. I think it's a great word picture. You're talking about the trees and the bark being stripped. This society has been stripped of everything that holds it up, and and so wow. it is withering. Yes. And so the joy, I, I just that expression really got my attention. The joy has withered away from the sons of men. Uh, wow, Alex, uh, there they were in difficult days, weren't they? That they really were, and and that's why it says the priests mourn, the land mourns, the farmers are ashamed, the vine is dried up, the fig tree withered, pomegranate, palm, apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Um, what <laughs> touched the land touches the hearts, and. Uh, you know, joy and hope is something people, as much as we need food and water, we also need joy of our spirit. So what do we do? Well, um, gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. Now, this is Joel the prophet. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call an assembly, gather the elders, and cry to God. Amen. Sounds like a plan. It Sounds does. like a good plan, doesn't it? It does. In other words, finally, this is what you need to do. He told them what had happened. He's gotten to the point of why it's happened. And now he says, this is what you do. You call upon the Lord. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. That number, by the way, 888-589-8840. We want to hear from you. Give us a call today. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to a recent study published by the Christian Post, 76.3% of all abortions are obtained by, quote, God-fearing women, unquote, with 68.7% who identified themselves as Christian women and 18% of all abortions obtained by self-described born-again or evangelical women. A corresponding CareNet study found that many women with unplanned pregnancies go silently from the church pew to the abortion clinic, convinced the church would gossip rather than help. America's greatest need is repentance. 
when the hearts of the American people turn to God, everything else will be impacted. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus said to Peter in Luke 5, verse 5, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. David Hayes took his granddaughter Alyssa fishing in the pond behind his house in North Carolina. Five-year-old Alyssa was using a Barbie fishing pole. When she had to run inside for a moment, she said, Granddaddy, will you watch my line? As soon as the door slammed behind Alyssa, something hit her line. David struggled for 25 minutes to reel in a 21-pound catfish using a Barbie fishing pole. Now, neither skill nor high-quality equipment made David and Alyssa successful that day. It was simply this. They went fishing. When Jesus says to let down your nets and fish for men, will you obey? Jesus will bring the catch if you'll just go fishing. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We're taking phone calls. We didn't get to do that last week, and we're looking forward to hearing from you this week. So we're going to go quickly, and we're going to go to Arkansas, and we're going to talk to Lynn. Lynn, welcome to Exploring the Word. Okay, thank you. Yeah, my question is, I have been praying for the people uh, who are unjustly imprisoned, who are not even having any rights. And I wanted to know what a good scripture is to pray for for that. Lynn, thank you. Yeah, I don't know the ones you're talking about. January the 6th, uh, I've heard several people arrested, put in prison. Un, uh, won't even set the bail for them, Alex. And uh, that took place. Sandy Rios has done a great job of, of covering that. Devin does her program as well early in the morning. Uh, if, does any scripture come to your mind? Well, you know, a couple of things. And by the way, uh, thank you for being concerned and, and having care for that, ma'am. You know, we just got finished with the book of Acts, and a number of times the Apostle Paul was falsely arrested and falsely imprisoned, and he waited on the Lord and God came through. Two things that I would say. Uh, well, from the book of Matthew, Matthew 5.11 and Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, remember... Jesus commended the sheep on his right hand for visiting those in prison. But Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter evil against you falsely. So blessed, oddly enough, when we're falsely accused, uh, it's a blessing uh, if we're doing it in the service of the Lord. The other thing, Isaiah 54.17, Bert, I think about, no weapon that is formed against you shall succeed or prosper, and you shall confute or 
confuse every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. You know, it's certainly nothing any of us would want, and it's easy for me to say from my perch, free, doing, you know, living life, but Bert, um, God does undertake the cause of the prisoner, doesn't he? He does, and let me give one, Lynn. It's the whole book of Philippians. Paul was in prison Amen. unjustly when he hoped, when he wrote that book, and the words he used, the theme of the book of Philippians is rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The whole book is concerning that that just when everything and he says have the mind of Christ they would they would he was done nothing absolutely nothing wrong but yet he was taken to the cross now again i know that was god's plan but it does not justify what they did that was wrong so lynn thank you for that good call for your concern and we hope those scriptures uh give you something okay and i, I would never forget psalm 23 I mean, I think Psalm oh, yeah. twenty. I think Psalm twenty three fits anybody that's just uh, suffering or tough. Thank you, Lynn. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Deb. Deb, welcome. Thank you. It's me again. I have another question from the Book of Numbers that I'm studying. Yes, ma'am. What is that question? Um, Balaam was in divination. He was not a prophet of God, but the king Balak called upon him to curse the nation of Israel. And so Balaam heard three times from God after pray. I just don't understand that and how God would use someone like that versus, I don't know, just <laughs> I was wanting some more explanation. Okay. Yeah, Balaam is a, he is an interesting character from the word go. Uh, he had some gifts. He had some. Alex, do you remember the name Jenny Dixon? Oh, my goodness. You remember uh, yeah. she's the one that got it right concerning President Kennedy going Kennedy. to Dallas. And that put yeah. her kind of, and from then on, on all the tabloids, they would have her predictions of the year. I remember what our, our hero, Dr. Rogers, said about Jenny Dixon, said concerning her that she doesn't get it right enough to be from God. And she yes. and, and and she gets too many right for it just to be women's intuition. Exactly. So you can figure out where her, her power comes from. In other words, it was satanic or demonic. And and yeah. so Balaam, you know, why would God choose we, we ask that all the time. Why would God choose Nebuchadnezzar and ba uh, Babylon to, to, you know, do his work? Uh, it is amazing who God does use and in in judgment of his own people, and even sometimes to, that we get a word from, isn't it? it? It really is. You know, it's funny that you had mentioned Jeannie Dixon because um, I well remember when I was a kid, a lot of people read her book, and it kind of reminds me, and I, I've never brought their names up, and I've thought about it, but I've never brought their names up on the program because I didn't want to really give any um, uh, you know, awareness to him. But another was Edgar Casey, and what what was um, you know, dangerous about like Edgar Casey, who was kind of a Balaam too. He claimed to be a Christian, 
uh, I don't know about Jeannie Dixon, but but you're right. They they weren't correct enough to be called a prophet of God, but they were uh, right enough that it was very deceptive, and you could tell. Uh, now, all there was spiritual dynamics at play. You could tell. Now, my point being in sharing that, like Galatians one verse eight, Paul said, "If we, or even if an angel from heaven, preach some different gospel, let them be anathema." And the Bible says Satan can appear like an angel of light. But I think there are some people that are a tool in the hand of Satan, and they, they may not even know it yeah. themselves. I agree. And that's, that's why uh, every one of you, number one, know that you know the Lord and vigilantly seek what God's Word says. That's why Bert and I both are so insistent that our, our only definitive, infallible source for truth is the Bible, the Word of God. And so uh, it's important to cultivate the habit of discernment. And I, I believe we learn discernment by seeing life through the vantage point of Scripture. Amen. Nothing more could we say truer than that. But let me tell you about Satan, and I, I give him little, little notice. I, I you know, don't. When you talk about spiritual warfare, dwell on Jesus, not yeah, on right Satan. On. I mean, yes, you're yeah. not ignorant of his devices, but let me give you two real quickly. Satan operates wide open for he he because there's those that are in death and destruction, and they're attracted to that, so he operates wide open. But he also works undercover, un, you know, uh, mm. not wanting to be detected. He operates in both ways. And so that just lets you know that's the reason you stay in the Word. You trust the Word of God. That's the sure Word, and that's what you go by. So, Deb, thank you for your call. Hope that gives you some uh, help in that area with Balaam. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Pete. Pete, welcome. Hey. How you doing, guys? Doing, doing good today. It's a great Monday. <laughs> yes, it's nice, and it's a 95-degree Monday here on the Gulf Coast. Uh, uh, oh, me, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just wanted to uh, get y'all's commentary. Basically, uh, just a quick note, I, I was, I've was i been a Christian for almost 30 years, got saved in a Baptist church, and uh, I was an evolutionist uh, and, an, and an atheist for the most part for 15 years before that. And it was when I was 14, um, I heard the gap theory preached, and I recognized instantly that it was compromising. Trying to try, in other words, it was a, a Bible teacher trying to compromise the Word of God with evolutionary thinking. So I, that's one main reason I left any, any hope of getting becoming a Christian in my teen years, wasted a lot of years. So, so I'd like for y'all to please, uh, you know, I'm a young earth creationist, biblical creationist. Could y'all please? differentiate for the crowd, for the audience the uh, correct interpretation of Genesis versus like the gap theory or theistic evolution, I'd, and I'll just turn it off and listen. Amen, Pete. Praise the mm. Lord. 30 years coming out of that. One of my good—has been a good friend. Hadn't talked to him in a while, so he could be listening. Grady McMurtry, a guy— he, he would come to our church here in Tupelo, and he presented all the evidence for a young earth. And he equips so many people for that young earth. Now, honestly, the problem with anything that's not anything other than the young earth has a problem biblically, Alex. I mean, that, uh, yeah. that's a big statement. But yet yeah. there's some guys that believe that there is an old earth. I, 
you and I have talked about there's three E's you you just have some grace with. And one of them is the early earth, whether it's young or old. The other one is, is concerning election, you know, yes. the sovereignty of God yes. and, and the free will of man. Uh, and those are two that you got to be careful on and, and knowing what God has for you. So Alex, yeah. but I think a biblical view is a young earth. I, I, I can't come at what? it any other way. Uh, and by the way, sir, thank you for listening. I'm deeply honored you'd be listening, and I commend you for coming to the Lord and for trusting the Bible. I, too, uh, am an old, uh, a young earth creationist, and I was asked this at the Cove this weekend, old earth versus young earth. And I, I said, look, I, I'm friends with everybody, but me personally, I believe in a what many would call a young earth that, yes, the Lord created in six literal days, rested on the seventh. Now, let me just say this, and then I want to give a couple of critiques of the gap theory, the idea that there was a creation and then there was a gap, maybe from Genesis 1-1 before Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3, maybe there was this millions of years of gap. I disagree with that. Uh, Bert, um, if, if there was, there had to be death before the fall of Genesis 3. You know, and the Bible says very, very clearly that death reigned from Adam to Moses. This is uh, in Romans 5.14. So there was no death before the fall. Death was a consequence of sin coming into the world. But if you believe in the gap theory for, for a couple of things, um, it, it's funny. Let me just say this. A lot of people, they gravitate toward a gap to try to somehow reconcile evolution and the Bible. But yet, really, uh, even evolutionists don't recognize some chaotic event. They, they believe in what's called uniformitarianism, that as we see the world now, it always has been. So it's funny, um, you've got a position not supported by Scripture or geology, but it simply was dreamed up to try to reconcile Darwin and the Bible. But one last thing, Bert. Um, William Dembski, a wonderful Christian man, but he is what would be called an old earth creationist, and, and I disagree with that position. But even Bill Dembski, in about 10 or 11 years ago, we had one of our conferences in Charlotte from the stage, much to the consternation of some of the old earthers there. Bill Dembski said... And I quote, the young earth position is the more hermeneutically defensible position, or scripturally. And some of the old earthers that were kind of doing textual gymnastics to support old earth, even one of the old earthers from the stage, Bill Dembski, said, no, the text is young earth. And it is. And Bert, last thing I would say, take God at his word. <laughs> If, if God said he created in six days and rested on the seventh, and those are six literal 24-hour days, sure, I believe it. Um, Darwin and a world that is at war with God anyway, I'm, I'm not going to be misled. I'm going to take the Bible for what it says. Amen. Answers in Genesis, go to their website, the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum. Uh, got to meet a lot of those guys this past week at the NRB. Uh, what a blessing it is. They'll give you a lot of inf more information than Alex and I can here. We're going to get one more call in. Lance, go ahead. From Oklahoma, welcome. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, you're on, brother. Go right ahead. 
Awesome. Hey, uh, love you guys. Uh, been listening a couple years, and I'll try to get this out real quick for you. Um, so everyone knows the obvious that death in itself is a simply passing of the mortal soul or the mortal body. You know, we all we all know what what death is to face value. We see it all around us all the time. But the question is, because obviously we have other things in the Bible like. Um, the last plague of Moses, or um, death rises, pale horse, and stuff. So with those being said, is death in itself more than just the passing of a soul, or is it in, or the passing of the body, or is it an actual being in itself, is it an actual entity of its own that is created to make that passing happen? Okay. You know, uh, let me just make one quick statement, question. Alex, and I'll pass it. This is true for the believer. It is true for the believer. It is true for the unbeliever. Death occurs. It is appointed unto man once to die. Then there's going to be a judgment. Alex, death becomes a passageway regardless from, from, from time into eternity, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And, and if I hear the import of the question, he was saying, is death like a thing? Um, there, there's not this uh, entity called death walking around with a sickle. I know that we, we see the image of the Grim Reaper. Um, but there is the curse, and in scientific terms, it's called the law of entropy, that everything is running down. The telomeres in your body are shortening, and we're aging, and we're dying. And then when physical death occurs, the spirit goes to be either in heaven or hell, so, you know what? Uh, there's a lot we could say about death, but there's one thing we can say about how to be prepared, and that's put your faith in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through him. Trust Jesus. As Alex said, trust the Word of God. It tells us where we came from. It also tells us where we're where going. We go. You can Amen. trust him. Alex, we'll be back in Joel tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, brother. Me too. Folks, read on ahead. Read Joel 1 and Joel 2. And join us again tomorrow for more of Exploring the Word. And what else, Bert, do we ask of people? We ask people to tell folks about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.